Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Jade Sullivan. I am First Parish in Concord's ministerial intern this year, and I am so happy to be with you on this beautiful fall day. I'm coming to you from my apartment in Cambridge, uh, and we all are here to welcome you to worship with us. I'm going to introduce you to the panel of worship leaders today. Uh, you just heard Eric Heineke on the organ. Do you want to say hi? Good morning, friends. Delighted to be with you. Thank you. And Anderson Manuel is here, the director of the youth orchestra, I mean, choir. Good morning. Nice to be with you this morning. <laughs> Orchestra of Voices is what I meant. Uh, and Beth Norton is here, who is uh, the Director of Music Ministry. Good morning. I like that. A youth orchestra. Hmm. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. <laughs> Reverend Liz Weber is here, uh, the Minister of uh, Pastoral Care. Good morning, everybody. It's very good to see your names and imagine your faces. Welcome to church. And we have Adrian Betancourt, who is the Director of Social Action. Hi, happy October day to everybody. And Sarah Ritchie is helping us with our technical needs. Good morning, it's good to be with you today. And finally, the lead minister is also here, uh, Reverend Howard Dana. Good morning, everybody. It's so nourishing to spend this hour with you. And like Liz, it's great to read the list of your names and to imagine each and every one of you with us in church this morning. Welcome. Today's call to worship is a quote from James Baldwin from The Fire Next Time. Love takes off the masks that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. I use the word love here not merely in the personal sense, but as a state of being or a state of grace, not in the infantile American sense of being made happy, but in the tough and universal sense of quest and daring and growth. Thank you, Jade, for those words from James Baldwin. As we do each week, we light a chalice. This is the thing that binds us together. As Unitarian Universalists, the flaming chalice is our most central symbol. And so I invite you to find a chalice near you or a candle will work, um, anything really. And lighting it in your homes is one other thing that just binds us together. So take a moment and light that chalice and know that by doing so, we are connected to one another and to Unitarian Universalists around our country and around the globe. Please join in the chalice lighting response that will appear on the screen. O flame of our faith, open our hearts and fill our bodies and souls with persistent strength. Enliven our spirits and engage us deeply in this life of ours, this sacred essential moment now. Let us sing our opening hymn together. Please join me in our opening hymn. It's a beautiful expression of universalism by uh, Frederick William Faber, who was a 19th century Anglo-Catholic. This is from one of 
This is from one of 150 hymns that he wrote. So please join me. Um, and there's a wideness in your mercy. I'll play it through once for you first. message. So I gather or I invite all of the young people or everyone who is young at heart to gather and make yourself available to a story if you feel moved to do so. So today's sermon or homily is going to be about Judith Sargent Murray. Uh, but first here, I'm going to talk about her husband, John Murray. He's usually talked more about in Unitarian Universalism for sexist reasons, probably. Uh, but he's usually talked about as the founder of Universalism in the United States. And he did do a lot of great stuff. Uh, his story is pretty incredible, in fact. He was born in England and he was a minister. And he believed that everybody could go to heaven. And this was not a popular view uh, in the Calvinist English clergy at the time. So he was, he was sort of uh, shunned by the clergy and he, he couldn't really get a church. And then after that, his first wife died and his first child died. And because of that, and because he couldn't get a job because of his beliefs, he went into debtor's prison because he couldn't pay the medical bills for his, his child's uh, care. So then after he came out of debtor's prison, he had lost his faith and he decided, I'm never going to preach again. And so he got on a boat and he decided, I'm going to go to America. And he gets on this boat and he goes and he sails and he's trying to get to New York. Uh, but then there's a terrible fog and they get lost. And then they run aground in a place called Good Luck, New Jersey. 
and they're wandering around. John Murray gets out of the boat. He's wandering around and he meets this man named Thomas Potter. Now Thomas Potter had built a church 10 years earlier that he didn't have a minister for. He wasn't a preacher, but he said, I believe that everybody can go to heaven and I'm gonna build this church and just wait for the preacher to arrive. And 10 years later, John Murray walked in, his boat had run aground, and he said, I'm never gonna preach again, but I believe everybody can go to heaven. And Thomas Potter saw him and he said, oh, you're the preacher I've been looking for. And John Murray said, what? And Thomas Potter said, aren't you a preacher? And John Murray said, yes. And Thomas Potter said, well, do you believe everyone can go to heaven? And John Murray said, yes. And he said, excellent, you're my preacher. Now, John Murray wasn't quite convinced yet, even besides that. So he said, all right, if the wind changes by Sunday, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna go on to New York. Cause you know, for a sailboat, you need the winds to be blowing a certain way to go off. So he says, okay, if the wind changes and I can leave, I'm gonna leave. But if the wind doesn't change, I will stay and I will preach at your church. And so he waited one night, two nights, three nights. The wind did not change. Sunday morning came and he preached at Thomas Potter's church. And today that is considered to be the founding of, of universalism in America. But what if I told you that during John, Mor John Murray's life, he was not considered to be the founder of universalism in America. In fact, there were lots of other universalists coming up at the time. Nobody knew that story, or very few people knew that story at the time, as, as amazing as it is. But after John Murray's death, death, his wife, his second wife, wife from America, Judith Sargent Murray, realized that this was an important story. You see, Judith Sargent Murray was a writer. She was a storyteller herself, and she believed that this story needed to be told. So she gathered up all of John Murray's diary entries and his notes, and she put together the story of John Murray's life. And today, that is why we all know this story. So I want us to think about how a story is only a story if we tell it. And as we move forward this week, I would like you to think what story you are going to tell. So now we are going to move on to the song, Let Us Open Our Eyes. And I'm supposed to say that usually this is the song we sing when all the children go off to, to RE. However, <laughs> I don't know where you are because I can't see you. You're probably not going off into RE in your houses. So we're not going to go anywhere, but we're still going to sing the song together. Thank you, Jade. <laughs> Let us open our minds to seek what is true. Let us open our hearts to love one another. And may we walk in peace. I'm so glad we're talking about Judith Sargent Murray today. As you all know, we are on a whole year-long journey to explore the roots of Unitarian Universalism. 
and in October we're studying particularly our universalist roots. And Judith Sargent Murray was an early feminist and um, somebody who really uh, set, started a path that would then result in the rights for women all over our country. Here is a reading from hers, from her. So this is her writing in 1790, if you can imagine, 1790. And it was so dangerous to write what she wrote in those days that she was writing under a pen name. And her pen name was Constantia. So this is considered to be the first writing advocating gender equality ever published by an American writer. Listen to these words by Judith Sargent Murray. Are we deficient in reason? We can only reason from what we know. And if an opportunity of acquiring knowledge has been denied us, the inferiority of our sex cannot fairly be deduced from thence. May we not trace its source in the difference of education and continued advantages. Will it be said that the judgment of a male of two years old is more sage than that of a female's of the same age? But from what period, what partiality? How the one is exalted and the other depressed by the contrary modes of education which are adopted. The one is taught to aspire and the other is early confined and limited. As their years increase, the sister must be wholly domesticated while the brother is led by the hand through all of the flowery paths of science. Yes, ye lordly, ye haughty sex, our souls are by nature equal to yours. The same breath of God animates, enlivens, and invigorates us. And that we are not fallen lower than yourselves, let those witness who have been greatly towered above the various discouragements by which they have been so heavily oppressed. Thanks to Judith Stardent Murray. Thank you, Howard. Today is National Coming Out Day, in case you didn't know. <laughs> It is a day when the LGBTQ community celebrates those who are out or who are coming out. And many LGBTQ people, it's important to remember on a day like today and every day, that many may not be out now or may ever be out and that does not invalidate their identity as LGBTQ people, know the right choices for them and no one should ever be coerced to come out. But for many of us, coming out and being out is liberating. It's a way for us to exist in the world fully with joy. It's a way for us to share ourselves and our gifts and our love with the world without a mask. It took me a long time to come out. As many of you know, I grew up in a conservative part of Indiana in the 80s and 90s. 
Even though I was in drama club, where it was okay to call myself bisexual and to cross-dress occasionally, it was very clear that in my high school and in the larger community, these things were not okay. I remember hearing teenage boys in my grade saying that if they found out there were any gay kids at school, they would kill them. Now, nearly all the religious institutions I was aware of made it very clear that anything queer was at best wrong but tolerable and at worst, worst a deadly sin. They said I would burn in hell as a punishment. This was back when people used to show up holding signs saying God hated me. Now, I wasn't raised with a former, formal religious upbringing, but I was pretty sure I knew God. I would pray at night and I would feel something or nothing, a silence and a connectedness. Mostly I would feel love. I was pretty sure this was something close to God, or at least closer to God than the bozos with the signs. Growing up, I internalized that I should not live into my queerness in a visible way because to do so would be dangerous. But I still knew deep down that they were wrong about us and that they were wrong about God. It was almost hilarious how wrong they were, even though this queerness is a sin idea was commonly accepted as truth by nearly everybody I could see who was in power. It feels right to me that National Coming Out Day should land this year right in the middle of our discussion of universalism. In the 18th century Christian world, hell was huge with the people in power. Fire and brimstone, eternal punishment, except for a select few. Calvinists loved to try to figure out who was damned and who was saved. The fear of hell was used to shame, to coerce, and to terrify the faithful. But universalists knew deep down that a loving God would not condemn God's creations to eternal suffering. This was an unpopular stance. As we heard in the children's story, universalists often faced severe consequences for stating what they knew to be true. Judith Sargent Murray was from Gloucester, Mass. She was a member of the first universalist congregation in the United States. And there's a picture of her. She was also one of the earliest and most prolific American universalist writers. In 1782, surrounded by hell-loving Calvinists, she wrote that Christ had died for the sins of all humanity, not only a select few. This publication was one of the very earliest universalist catechisms and was used as an education tool for children. But she would not only speak her truth regarding God and salvation. Eight years later, she published on the equality of the sexes, which we heard earlier from the reading. Now, if you think that hell was a popular idea in the 18th century Christian world, let me tell you, the idea that women were inferior to men was an even bigger hit. Subjugating women was knit into the fabric of society 
the people in power took the idea that women were frivolous and men reasonable for granted because it allowed them to justify keeping women subservient. But Judith Sargent Murray, who had raised girls and who had been a girl herself and seen the difference between how girls were raised and how boys were raised, clearly saw the supposed intellectual differences between men and women were engineered by society and not the other way around. She knew that on balance, girls were as capable and intelligent as boys. And instead of silently seething, she used her voice and her talents to express that truth, as unpopular as it may have been. I really recommend reading on the equality of the sexes. Some of the arguments she refutes in 1790 are still used by sexists today. I want to read, I'm going to read just another little bit of it because I think it's so funny. I know there are those, this is from, again, on the equality of the sexes. I know there are those who assert that as the animal power of the one sex are superior, of course their mental facilities or faculties must also be stronger, thus attributing strength of mind to the transient organization of this earthborn tenement. But if this reasoning is just, man must be content to yield the palm to many of the creation, since by not a few of the beasts of the field, he is far surpassed in bodily strength. Moreover, was this argument admitted, it would prove too much. For ocular demonstration evinceth that there are many robust masculine ladies and effeminate gentlemen. I love that. <laughs> Eight, uh, 1790, everyone. <laughs> I did not know people were writing things like this in 1790. We are told that feminism is a newer phenomenon, but Judith Sargent Murray proves that wrong. People have always spoken out against oppressive lies. Now, women and other non-men, just like we saw with Judith Sargent Murray writing this under a pseudonym, uh, still must be forced to protect themselves. They must be forced to stay in various levels of closets at, at times. You know, even today, women and non-men who speak out against patriarchy are often threatened with violence. So I can understand, again, knowing when you're ready to come out. But Judith Sargent Murray never stopped writing what she knew to be true. Even though being outside of the mainstream would cause her hardship in her lifetime, after all, after her husband died, she worked to make a living for herself by continuing her writing. But being a woman loud about her unconventional beliefs, she struggled to make very much income, and she wound up living with a married daughter until her death in 1820. We are still working to break free of the gender roles that Judith Sargent Murray named in 1790. Those same gender roles tell us today that men's work is more valuable than women's, that only a man can be president of the United States, that people should not love people of their same gender, that a person's anatomy defines their gender, and that only two genders exist. Just as Judith Sargent Murray did, we are called as Unitarian Universalists to share our heartfelt truths with the world. And what better day to celebrate our heartfelt truths than National Coming Out Day? I remember the moment I knew I needed to come out. 
not just to a select group of friends, not just in certain bars, but to my family and to my larger community. I was in a yoga teacher training program. It was the end of a long day and we ended it with a two hour practice. Yoga postures are meant to quiet the body for meditation, to help the practitioner more clearly access the truths within. I was in child's pose, my forehead pressed against the floor, and in the quiet of the room, I felt that stillness and love that so long ago I had thought might be close to God. There was a small light in the stillness, and that light was my truth. And I knew it was time to share it with everyone. For me, the closet was the mask I feared I could not live without. And in that moment, I knew I could no longer live within it. And as James Baldwin said, it would be love that would help me remove that mask. Being publicly out as non-binary and bisexual has not always been easy. I know for a fact I've been passed over for jobs and opportunities. I've lost important lifelong relationships, but I believe sharing this truth will do more good in the world than keeping it hidden. I believe that lifted by love, we must share what we know to be true. And in doing so, tear down the lies that oppress. We can build up a world where we do not fear taking off our masks, but celebrate the beauty and the equal uniqueness of every single divine life. Amen. I now ask you to reflect on the question, when have you dared to express a heartfelt truth in the chat? in the chat. I see uh, with my cousins. I see asking my beloved to marry me. I see too often. It's why I have too few friends. Huh, nice. When I feared for others having to suffer similarly. In a conversation with my father about bisexuality supporting my gay daughter. I dare to express a heartfelt truth in walks in nature with my son, Edward. These are great. Women's equality. When I said, yes, I will to Rosalind Romberg. Nice. <laughs> As a Vietnam era conscientious objector. 
with uh, with my parents when I disagreed about their treating my sister differently than me. When I decided to adopt my 26 year old daughter without a partner. At work disagreeing with homophobes. When confronting the death of a friend. When I apologized for being wrong. Nice. <laughs> as a conscientious objector, speaking out about racial equality, these are great. With people I know uh, lo love me, sometimes like is enough for me to share. <laughs> when I've struggled with depression and reached out for help, leaving a marriage that looked good on the outside, speaking at the state house in, in support of LGBT equality, divorced against religion and cultural group, being honest about needing help. That's great. These are all great. Confronting my perpetrator publicly. Thank you so much for sharing these. And now <laughs> something else happens. A song, I think. A song happens. <laughs> Excellent. I think I've Birthing my draft card at the Arlington Street Church. Nice. Okay, I'm done. Song. <laughs> You sure? Um, so now we get to hear from Judith Sargent Murray again. This uh, hymn text is from a book of unpublished letters of hers. This, it's a lovely poem again expressing her universalism. I'm singing it to the tune of Prospect, which seemed appropriate. Shall I 
were here last week, you remember this, and if you weren't, then you get to experience it this week. We have begun to live stream on YouTube, as well as having our services available through Zoom. And so this means that for the cares and prayers that you have shared and asked me to share on your behalf, I will share your first name aloud, and in the chat, I will type more details so that all of us can hold you, all of us can hold one another together. If you're watching on YouTube, I will send out the weekly pastoral email that includes everything on the pastoral list, just like usual. So don't worry about missing anything. This week, we hold Jeff and Elizabeth in our hearts. And we hold so many more, I know. So what are the names? Who are the people who you are holding? I invite you to call them aloud now or to type them in the chat, either one, and to know that we are all in this together. We are all lifting each other up in prayer and care, in word and deed. that we can express our most heartfelt truths. And so I ask, will you pray with me? We pray today for healing in our bodies. We pray today for a balm on our hearts. We pray today for the health of the earth. We pray today for equality between all sexes and genders. We pray today for flourishing of all who are marginalized and oppressed. We pray today for justice between people and justice between peoples. We pray today for a world where each of us can be exactly who we are 
we pray today for each of us to know that we are beloved. We pray today for each of us to do our part, to bring more love into our world. We pray with words and song and silence, and I invite you to sit with me for a moment of spacious silence. Open Table is our Share the Plate recipient for October, and it has been such a pleasure being in conversation with its executive director this past month or so, and learning about our church's deep and varied connections. So let's hear more from Janine Calabria. Hello, my name is Janine Calabria. I've been a member at First Parish since 2003. I'm also the executive director of Open Table. Open Table is a local food relief organization that was founded right here at First Parish over 30 years ago. For those members who have been around for more than 30 years, you probably have seen us through all various chapters and know basically what there is to offer. It's cleaning vegetables, packing groceries, cooking and serving food. That's right, it's pretty simple, nothing too complicated no policy or advocacy work, simply making sure that food is provided to people who need it. Some might even say it's meditative in a world of complicated issues, a safe haven of repetitive work, grounding and simple. But sometimes along the way of doing this simple necessary work, people seek out other ways to serve because the partnership becomes a bit of a call and response. This is what the Women's Paris Association has become for Open Table. Today, I want to thank the WPA for saying yes to serving once a year at the community dinner held here pre-COVID on Thursday nights. For saying yes to becoming dinner ambassadors and, and attending the meal weekly to listen and talk to people who are often socially isolated. For saying yes to becoming the dinner manager when we didn't have one. 
to pitch hitting as a volunteer coordinator this summer while our staff member was on maternity leave. For saying, I can make an orientation video for you since no one else can come in person. For offering a cow to produce hamburger for people who do not have access to high quality protein. For saying, I'll pay for tickets so members in your community can afford to go to Chop for Charity, the cooking contest. For saying yes to supporting Open Table Today with Share the Plate. It's with much gratitude for all these simple connections and the rich complexity of these additional ones that I thank you for helping us create the compassionate community that I believe we all deserve to live within. Week after week, First Parish Partnerships Partnership and the WPA's partnership has been the support to make the difference in the lives of many people. Food is love, food is simple, food is connection, and it's provided all of the above. I hope you'll join today in supporting our mission by providing healthy food. And also, if you're interested by providing volunteer service through our home delivery program that we are now looking for volunteers to support us with. We appreciate all the ways that First Parish has given Open Table the ability to provide so much food for so many people in need. Thank you very much for sharing the plate with us today. Thank you, Janine. As Janine said, our offering is a share the plate program. So half of what you give goes to Open Table all month long. And half of what you give goes to sustain the good work of First Parish. I want to tell you a story because it's not just what we do, but also who we are. As a teenage Unitarian Universalist, I knew that it was okay to come out at church. I knew that school might not be safe, but that church was where I could be who I was. And I hope that that is true here at First Parish now too, that we teach our children and our youth that they can be exactly who they are and they can tell us and tell each other who they are and that we welcome everyone coming through the doors. Embodying this community of love, which I think is what Janine called it, is so inherently part of who we are as Unitarian Universalists. And when you give, your money goes to the programs and the staffing and our sleeping building that allow us to be who we are. I invite you to give generously as you can. You can give by text. You can set something up online on the First Parish website. Please, the offering will be greatly given and um, gratefully received.
As we begin to wrap up our service today, I want to invite you to, well, to do church all day long and all week long. Even though our buildings are not open as much right now, um, we have limited office hours and you can come sit in the sanctuary or elsewhere for some spiritual practice, but there's lots going on. Howard and Jade and I are all teaching classes that are happening now or soon. You can find out more information in FP Weekly. And we're also available for one-on-one -on -one conversations, including while the weather and safety permit, getting together outside. Family service returns next week, and there's lots going on between now and then that's in FP Weekly. Along with our Share the Plate and our focus on hunger this month, you can participate in the Crop Walk, which is actually happening all week this week. The Concord Area Crop Walk, you can walk whenever, wherever, for whatever length. Donations are also welcome in any amount. Donations support nine local food pantries and suppers, as well as worldwide emergency relief. You can join in our First Parish in Concord team by registering online. And uh, Sarah already posted the website for that in our chat. You can also, if you have questions, check FP Weekly or email Sarah Ballard. And Sarah, Sarah's email is in the chat as well. So I said church all day, right? So you can do crop walk. At 3 p.m. we have a Choose Democracy workshop. And immediately after service, you have your choice of the worship sharing circle, which is a smaller group to reflect on the themes of the service or our Zoom coffee hour. And Peter Noble, who's chair of our standing committee is here to tell you about coffee hour right now. Hi folks. Uh, well, I, church all day. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I just need a bathroom break, that's all. I just, just like five minutes, Liz. Uh, yes, no, I just want to encourage all of you to join us after church. The, uh, the link will be posted in the chat and uh, we'll s uh, hope to see you there. There'll be a, a group of friendly faces. And, and as an added bonus, you get to practice your listening skills. So looking forward to seeing you after church and later today too. Great, thanks, Peter. So last week I hear there was some confusion because I gave you all a password, only not everyone got the password, and it turned out even those of you who did, the password was hard. So we're not doing that anymore. Zoom is requiring either a password or a waiting room for all of the meetings now, but we're only going to do the waiting room. So no password needed. You can just click the Zoom coffee hour link, and then you'll be in a waiting room, but just sit tight and someone will let you in, and you'll be at coffee hour. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there and let's sing. So good to be with all of you today. We are going to sing together, There Is More Love Somewhere. When I sing, There Is More Love Somewhere, I enter into that inward space of not yet, of acknowledging that the way things are is often unjust, unkind. But justice and kindness will be ours. Peace and joy will be ours. Knowing that what I'm singing is the hope and yearning of people whose traumatic and brutal circumstance I can only imagine 
when I sing this song, I lament for the way things are. I lament the current social order. I lament my present circumstances that I am complete. I long for more love, more joy, more peace. And I lift that longing up in an act of worship, in an act of prayer. Will you please join me in singing? There is more love somewhere. There is more love somewhere. There is more love somewhere. I'm gonna keep on till I find it. There is more love somewhere. There is more hope somewhere. There is more hope somewhere. I'm gonna keep on until I find it. There is more hope somewhere. There is more peace somewhere. There is more peace Somewhere I'm gonna keep on till I find it. There is more peace somewhere. There is more joy somewhere. There is more joy somewhere. I'm gonna keep on till I find it. There is more joy somewhere. There is more love. Somewhere there is more peace. Somewhere. Thank you all for joining us today at First Parish in Concord on this gorgeous fall day. Uh, Liz has offered many invitations to continue church, whatever that means to you with us. Uh, but whatever you do today, may you continue to share the truth that you have inside of you that will spread love in the world. May you think about your voice, think about the stories that you tell, 
and may you use it to create a world to tear down the oppressive lies and to build up a world where we are all celebrated all of us divine beings celebrated in our own unique equality amen thank you blessed be now we'll do the first parish benediction Go out into the world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, return to no person evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all beings. Oh.